0: Hello and welcome to P.S. Pod, a podcast for CPT, Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, produced in association with Wiley. In this episode, I interview Dr. Paul Watkins from the University of North Carolina. Dr. Watkins, is the Howard Q. Ferguson Distinguished Professor of Schools of Pharmacy, Medicine, and Public Health at UNC Chapel Hill, and also Director of the University's Institute for Drug Safety Sciences. He is also the founder of the DILI-SIM initiative that is a public-private partnership building a QST model of liver toxicity, and he serves as the chair of the SAB for that effort. As a clinically trained physician, how did you get interested in quantitative systems toxicology?
1: Our Institute for Drug Safety Sciences has uh, diverse research programs that are all aimed at understanding why good drugs are sometimes bad for people. Now, about a decade ago, I became involved with a company that was one of the first to apply quantitative systems toxicology, QST, to address uh, adverse drug events. And in the process of uh, having a front row seat in this effort, I uh, really became a fan of QST models for their ability to identify critical data gaps and prioritize research agendas. So as you build the model, you quickly see where data that is currently out in the literature is inconsistent and where the gaps are. And in, in particular, I guess in the words of Donald Rumsfeld, you identify uh, things you didn't know you didn't know that were important, the unknown unknowns, as he uh, famously quoted to say. Um, and I became then convinced that QST modeling was absolutely essential for our mission and used the resources that I had in starting up the center to hire people who had the diverse backgrounds that were needed, and these included engineers, mathematicians. And I brought in industry, academic, and FDA scientists to start a large pre-competitive effort focused on understanding liver toxicity, uh, what is now the Dillysim Initiative. And although my initial goal was really just to improve our understanding of mechanisms, I've been uh, surprised and pleased at the rate at which uh, this particular QST modeling uh, has been incorporated into decision-making within the pharmaceutical industry.
0: What is the status of QST today?
1: I believe these are very exciting times for both Quantitative Systems Toxicology and Quantitative Systems Pharmacology. And the establishment of this journal, CPT Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, I think is very timely. Now, with Quantitative Systems Pharmacology, QSP, uh, the drug targets and relevant biological pathways are increasingly known And, of course, if adverse events are simply too much on-target, in fact, too much of a good thing, then uh, QSP and QST uh, modeling are really identical. However, the most problematic toxicities are off-target, where it is less likely that the relevant targets and pathways are known, and this obviously creates challenges in building robust QST models. One approach that we've been following is what is called middle-out modeling, where you start at the organ level with the toxicity and model only processes at the cellular and subcellular level that are necessary to account for the observations. So uh, in our example, of hepatotoxicity, we knew that there was a complex role for cytokines and chemokines, but we initially modeled just sort of good and bad cytokines, those that... Um, uh, you know, help dampen injury and those that promote injury. But over time, we've been forced to model in more granular level of uh, cytokine involvement to explain the observations. In spite of these challenges, there has been significant progress in QST modeling of a variety of off-target toxicities, especially cardiac arrhythmias and liver toxicity, where modeling is already having an impact on decision-making within pharma. And it's becoming part of regulatory submissions. But significant progress is also being made with a number of other toxicities. And there have been some excellent examples uh, that have appeared in the journal recently. And these include Shankaran et al.'s modeling to predict dosing regimens of oncology drugs to minimize GI toxicity that, was, that appeared this year. And Zol's modeling to predict optimal dosing to minimize neutropenia during treatment of leukemia, which appeared last year. Another example is this year's messinis and all modeling of toxicogenomic profiles to predict drugs capable of producing cardiomyopathy, and also the potential identification of novel biomarkers for detecting this serious adverse event. So QST is being actively applied to diverse adverse events.
0: What are the challenges facing acceptance of QST modeling by pharma and regulators? There are, of course, many
1: challenges. Uh, many of these models require assaying the effect of drugs or metabolites in in vitro systems. And there's a lack of standardization for acquisition of uh, these data. And I believe there's a role for pre-competitive consortia there. In addition, I think that um, to really translate predictions from preclinical animals to man will require development of novel biomarkers uh, that will need to provide mechanistic insight. And there are several efforts underway to identify and validate such biomarkers, uh, and uh, it will be important, obviously, to incorporate the release and clearance kinetics. So I think there's a whole field of the pharmacokinetics of organ toxicity biomarkers uh, that's be fruitful uh, endeavor in the future. And I did write a commentary on this recently. It was just recently published in the journal, but it's available on the forum. Finally, you know, I think decision-makers within farm and regulatory agencies are really generally unfamiliar with QST and QSP approaches and the success they're having. And I think the journal will hopefully uh, address this somewhat. Um, of course, there's also a drive now in the pharma industry to push new candidates in demand as quickly as possible to uh, see whether they work. And QST modeling in the preclinical space may seem uh, like just one more thing to do and one more hurdle that
0: uh, to reach man. What do you see as the benefits of QST modeling to pharma today and in the future? There are many uh, benefits, I'm sure some of which
1: we don't really appreciate yet. Certainly it's clear that uh, it can provide a mechanistic understanding of why drugs uh, can cause adverse events, and this knowledge ultimately will lead to more rational design of safer drugs. But even taking the drugs that we have, uh, once a liability is identified, um, you can uh, better predict dose selection, uh, clinical protocols, monitoring protocols. Of course, you if you have a choice of backup compounds, it can actually prioritize uh, compounds going in the man. Uh, as I mentioned with biomarkers, but I think the optimal interpretation of these of traditional and newer biomarkers uh, can greatly greatly be improved with uh, incorporating them into QST modeling. And uh, I think we will, I know we will continue to see an increasing use of QST models in communications with regulatory agencies. And QST models of uh, cardiac arrhythmias and and, uh, hepatotoxicity have already been part of regulatory submissions. What is the future of QST? Well, I think as you can tell, I think it's extremely bright. But of course, as with any new technology, there's a natural reluctance now to accept QST methods uh, with the same level of confidence as traditional preclinical studies and, of course, clinical studies. But, you know, I'm reminded of a meeting in early 1990s that was held by the National Academy of Medicine uh, where it was proposed to industry that drug interactions could be predicted from studies in human liver microsomes or expressed drug metabolizing enzymes and that perhaps this should be moved into routine preclinical testing. But the industry response was largely negative, you know, and they pointed out you don't know the concentration of the drug inside the cell, at the level of these enzymes, what about metabolites, metabolites interfering with metabolism, et cetera, and that all this would be is an additional burden that would need to be done and would probably lead to more drug interaction studies that would need to be conducted in the clinic. But now, a quarter century later, modeling and simulation, using such in vitro data is clearly um, anticipating uh, uh, certain drug interactions and excluding them, reducing the need for clinical studies and improving the efficiency of drug development. And I certainly don't think it's going to take a quarter century for QST to have a major similar impact in um, improving drug development development. Uh, efficiency, and certainly the examples of modeling cardiac arrhythmas and liver toxicities are already making that point. But I'd also like to point out that the new FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, you know, shortly after taking the reins of the FDA, um, really came out strongly in favor of modeling and simulation and, uh, and really all aspects of drug development, and, and commented particularly, on, and I quote, product safety and the evaluation of potential adverse event mechanisms, unquote. And uh, they're in the process of coming up with additional guidances on how to incorporate uh, modeling and simulation into different aspects of drug development. So I'm very confident we will also achieve acceptance of QST modeling in all stages of drug development, and I believe it will occur relatively rapidly. And just in closing, I think to make this happen, the QSP, QSD community has to embrace uh, scientists of all different uh, disciplines and physicians uh, to educate them on the value of uh, modeling and simulation
0: so that they too become advocates going forward. That was Dr. Paul Watkins, and you can find his article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. I'm Dennis Velasco. Thank you for listening.